This is the Sister Squad with Morta, Nona, and Dekuma. <laughs> Nona. Nona. We'll just stop right now. <laughs> okay. So I wanted to share a story of a student of mine. Okay to say that. Of a student of mine that um, is a senior in high school, and she has had a steady boyfriend for a couple of years. And as I sat with her and I taught her, she started out in the fall, and I noticed kind of partly part partway through the fall semester that she had a little bump that she was gaining weight. And I didn't want to say anything because if we've learned anything, you don't ask someone if they're pregnant. <laughs> yeah, why don't you? are looking pretty fat. Are you knocked up? What? Oh, no, you're not? Okay. I feel stupid. I think you should just say, no, I'm just fat. But thanks for asking. <laughs> so, yes. So, anyway, so as time went on, it became obvious that she was pregnant. And I got to know her really well. And I still didn't ask. And I just waited and waited and waited. And after she'd been my student for about three months... Um, she was talking to another student about having an ultrasound. And so, and she was talking loudly enough for me to hear. So she wasn't trying to keep it from me. So I asked her about when she was due and, and if she was excited and what, you know, if she knew what the sex of the baby was yet. And I was really careful about asking the questions because it's easy to offend a 17 year old girl and they can take a lot of things to heart. And so as I got to know her and we started talking about the baby, um, I found out that she was still with her boyfriend and they had planned on getting married and they were planning on getting married the summer after graduation. And he's older, right? And he's older. He's, I think he's two years older than her. And they had set the date and not in their plan, she had gotten pregnant. And during this process, she was kind of upset because when she found out she was pregnant counselors and teachers and students everyone felt like they could say anything they wanted to this girl so the first question is that would come to her is are you keeping it which I find to be a really offensive question because if you were an adult when and people find out you're pregnant is that their first question to you is are you keeping it no no. So through this whole thing... Was it planned? Was it planned? They, they that's did. another one. And that's also many You know, days. I had babies who were back-to-back. So my one child, my third child, was <clears throat> nine months old when I got pregnant with my fourth child. And I had several people at work ask me that. Was, it, was this planned? And it wasn't like, oh my goodness, was this planned? Or it was more like... Was this planned? Like you're some sort of moron, right? For having a baby, and all you have to say is the birth control kept falling out. You know? <laughs> I mean, I took the pill, but it fell out every day. <laughs> it wouldn't like, stay in. It's not a suppository. <laughs> so I, my, what I learned through this was number one: don't ask stupid questions, and kind of looking at it through the eyes of a 17-year-old who had done everything kind of right in her eyes and made a mistake. 
she had her boyfriend. She had her plan set up. She's going to graduate from high school. They're going to get married. Right. I mean, they had planned forward, made made a mistake. And so that was the one of the questions. Are you keeping it? Are you going to get an abortion? Um, is your is your boyfriend still around or is he gone? Did he leave when you found out? And on and on and on. Super offensive questions that we would never, ever ask an adult. But you somehow think that because this is a teenager, you have the right to ask these questions. And now you know also that teenage pregnancies, that's more common. So people, I think, feel like they have the right to ask that. The biggest issue I think she had with all of this is that these are complete strangers. These are kids that have never spoke to her at school. Other, they, She's been in classes with them, Was but they've not... Just students, I'm sorry to interrupt, just students or teachers too? And teachers, that was the other group. So teachers coming up to her and telling her, well, that was dumb, you're never going to graduate, what are you going to do now? Okay, this is where she's saying, oh, didn't I tell you? I guess it's none of your business. (laughs) Yeah. Which should have been um, her first comment. But again, pregnant, hormones, you're... You're in a situation yeah. where now you're in school, you're gaining weight. Vulnerable. You're in a vulnerable position. And, and an emotional position. But what I think is, well, what one thing that you need to know is that every day she came to school, absolutely gorgeous. She is a beautiful young lady. Makeup done, hair done. She dressed cute. She never dressed baggy clothes to hide her baby bump. She just you go dressed it and was just like, this is who I am. And so she had one teacher who did ask that, like, what are you going to do now? Like, you're, now you're never going to graduate. What were you thinking? And she, this was a teacher that was supposed to be helping her graduate and make up credits from when she'd, she'd missed a couple credits as a sophomore. I'm getting pissed. And so pissed. she... I already know the story and I'm so pissed. <laughs> she then went to her counselors and asked to be removed from this class. Counselors didn't want to remove her. Because, no, this is a class you need to make up. And she just said, I'm never going to go back. I'm not going to walk back in that classroom. I I don't feel safe in that classroom. And I wouldn't either. Because, again, she has no one fighting for her. She's just not, doesn't really know the system very well. Her mom um, is helping her as best possible, but maybe doesn't know the system as well either. She is also Hispanic, which is kind of important when we start looking at, you know, the group that she comes from. So here's a young teenage girl, Hispanic, and she's pregnant in high school. So stereotyping, people do it. And I did it also, like looking at her thinking, thinking maybe all those same questions, right? But would never have gone up and asked her because it was none of my business. None of my business. You can't help what thoughts pop into your head. You can help what you do with them, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and then also the concern. Like, okay, does she need oh. help? What does she have? What, what right. can we do for her? So I'm, I watch her work so hard to make up her credits. She has two history classes. She has a couple math classes. And she is just digging in. She has morning sickness. She is throwing up in the garbage can. Ugh. She is leaving class to go use the bathroom. Um, I talked to her other history teacher, and he put her by the door so that she could leave at any point in time without being a distraction. He um, also helped her with her credit recovery so that she could get that made up. And she 
made up more missing than he had kids in class. She was excelling in his class. She was ahead of the class because he'd given her extra work if she had to miss. So she was doing everything right. And as the time got closer, so she was due in the end of the school year. And as it got closer, her concern was she's made up all this credit and now she's going to miss for how many weeks when you take off to have a baby? How many weeks did you take off? I took off 13 with my first baby. I was out of maternity leave or out of paid time off with my second, third, and fourth babies. So I took off six to eight weeks with them. And then my fifth baby, I took off 10 weeks. So the very least amount of time I took off with a regular vaginal delivery was six weeks. And what about you? Nona? Um, <clears throat> I took 12 with all six. 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And you were cesarean with all yeah, six? All six. So, and I took off six with my the least amount that I took off, but that was because I went back for a week and had all summer off. So right. with every other one, I had around 12 weeks off. So as she is trying to work around and try and figure out what she's going to do when she has this baby because she wants to graduate. She's made up her credits. She's made up most of her attendance credit. She's on track to go. And she sees that she's going to be gone the end of April. Graduation is May 22nd. And she wants her work so that she's not going to miss anything. She's not going to lose her credit. And this was January. And this was in January. So she goes to her teacher's. And no one can give her work. And being a teacher, I understand that too. I don't know what I'm going to be doing in April that week when she leaves. But I do have an idea what unit I'd be on. So I could probably just hand her something. But her teachers can't really give her anything. And so she's worried. It's January. And so she's in after school in other classes. And I'm checking on her because now I don't have her in class anymore. So I'm just kind of keeping up with her, kind of checking on her as I walk through the school. And I know where she's going to be at. And she mentions to me how worried she is. I ask her how she's doing and she's worried about taking off that she's going to lose credit and teachers are really reluctant to work with her at this point in time. Some of them, not all, but some of them are reticent to work with her. And the feeling that I get from this was, well, you got pregnant and these are the consequences. And of course that immediately puts my back up. Like I am ready to just fight. I'm ready to go to the mattresses for this. And I'm like, so I ask her, when are you due? What's set up? And she says that she's going to be gone at the end of April. So I said, hey, let me go check. I, it's after school. Let me go ask down at the counselors what we can do for you because this is so close. So I walk down to the counseling office. I say, you stay here and work on your stuff and I'll go check. So I walk down to the counseling office and go in. And I ask one counselor in the hallway, hey, what can we do for this young lady? Or no, I take that back. I ask simply, how do I get you on home and hospital? How do I get a student on home and hospital? What are the requirements? And I get back, why? What's it for? And I said, it doesn't matter. I just need to know the requirements for home and hospital. Right. Because I don't want that bias in any of this. And so this counselor says, keeps asking me why, what it's for. And I said, I just need the requirements. So we walk in the counseling office. I then asked the secretary. I said, what are the requirements for home and hospital, which is a service that school districts provide 
that if you're out of school for a few weeks, for surgery, for whatever, sick, that someone comes to your house, gives you your homework, kind of teaches you a mini lesson, takes the work back to the school, gets it graded, and gives your teacher a grade. A service they provide by law. By law. That's important. And it's through American Disabilities Act and what? Title IX. And Title IX. And so I go in. No one can tell me the requirements. And I'm like, really, this is just a simple question. Isn't there an application? And pretty soon, most of the counselors have walked out wanting to know why I want to know this. And... I finally say, okay, it's for a student that's pregnant. And immediately the response back is, well, we don't do that. We are not, we don't put pregnant students on home and hospital. Is that what I asked? (laughs) No, that wasn't what I asked. (laughs) That's weird. And (laughs) because I'm playing it through in my mind and I don't think that was the question. Wait a minute. And as soon as I ask this, I have more people walk in that are not counselors that really feel like they want to give me their two cents. The prairie dogs, like, yes, (laughs) poking in and then ask, no, then proceed to tell me that students who are pregnant have one week off and have to come back after one week. And I said, that's not true. And I was told, yes, it is true. This is the policy and this is how it is. And I said... I don't believe it. And I was given, <laughs> yes, it is. I, I can verify this. And I said, well, okay, how many of you in here, by the way, there are all women in here and one man at this point in time, and there's probably six or seven women and one, one guy standing in the room. I said, how many of you in here had children? And how many of you in here went back to work after a week? Who in here, or your by wife. a raise of hands, went back to work after a week And did your wife go back after a week? And at that point in time, they all kind of look at the ground and look at each other. And I get a response back from one of them about it's kind of her fault. Like she put herself in this situation. That's my cat claws coming out. (laughs) And I, I was so angry. I was so angry because I have a young girl who is pregnant who is in a disadvantaged situation, who is doing everything in her power to graduate, who we work our hind ends off at this school to get every kid to graduate that is that wants to get there we support him in any way I guess unless you're pregnant because if you're pregnant you must not matter is the message that I am getting me as a teacher as a facilitator in this school and the message I'm getting loud and clear is if you're pregnant it's your fault it's your your fault. fault and you know what you probably don't need to graduate anyway and so let's perpetuate a cycle of welfare. How about we do that? Generational so poverty. I, my cute little secretary in there is t- just trying not to get in the middle of an argument and trying to find the information for me. And she slowly looks at me and whispers, it's two weeks. <laughs> you need to be <laughs> off for two weeks. And so I say to the group, well, she's definitely going to be off for more than two weeks. And I get back again, well, she's got to be back after a week. And I'm not sure what policy this is, so I ask, well, it's a district policy. I'm like, well, that's a problem. to clarify, the two weeks is if you have an illness, a qualifying illness. Right. So if you're off for longer than two weeks, you get home in the hospital. says that you need to be off for two weeks. Yeah. So, Dekuma here, and I go get a Diet Coke, which is our custom, and she tells me this story, 
and I am immediately livid as well. And I mentioned to her who says who, which one of those counselors in there has MD or nurse practitioner or physician assistant behind their name? How do, why do they get to decide what qualifies as two weeks off? That's total bull crap. Where's our bell? Ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling. That's total bull crap. Carry on. And your story. so, um, Morta yes, calls her friend who Who's is a physician. A physician. And well, she texts him and gives him the story and just says, in a quick note, could you tell me what this is what's going on? What would you prescribe? And then he immediately, three and a half seconds later, I knew that it was his day off and he calls me on the phone and he uh, is a family medicine uh, physician. He delivers probably three to four babies a month and then he takes care of children from, you know, birth to death and he takes care of pregnant mothers all the way through their pregnancy and delivers those babies and he is immediately also livid and said, you know, of course these women don't go back to work until I tell them to go back to work, which is generally speaking four weeks. He's like, even if there has been a time when, when someone was, uh, had to like their paycheck was providing the family with food and shelter. And he let her go back to work after two and a half weeks but he also reluctantly. reluctantly, and he said he had also had um, a postpartum mom come in who was young, like in her 20s, like 23, 24, 25 in there somewhere, who had um, just been a little too active at three weeks postpartum and had began hemorrhaging. Like he had to take her back into the operating room and do a DNC postoperatively, or I mean, you know, postpartum so that she wouldn't, you know, bleed to death. Right. Essentially. And so his, his thing was like, whatever letter you need to the district, to the, like the principal, the superintendent, I don't care who it is. I'm willing to write a letter and I'm also willing to, um, you know, talk to anybody, field phone calls, whatever it needs to happen, because this is absolutely beyond ridiculous. So I don't know that yet. That's, that's a conversation going on. Uh, that's right. a sidebar conversation. Right. And I don't go back because I was in the counselors for a long time. So I don't go back to this classroom because I know that this girl is gone by now. And we will call her Maddie. Maddie. So Maddie has left for the weekend. It's Friday. And I come home and I tell my family and my husband is immediately upset. And my kids are upset and they know that I'm upset and so we go over the weekend thinking about this. And so first thing Monday morning, I go in to talk to an administrator and realize that they are off this week and I have an administrative license. And so I'm actually going to sub for them for two days this week during that week. And so Monday, there's only one there and he's just swamped. And so I wait till Tuesday morning and, and I go in to be an administrator that day and, and we sit down and the first thing I ask him is, I have a question for you. And I say, you've got four beautiful kids. I can see their pictures on his wall. And I said, I, I just have a quick question. It's kind of personal, but how many weeks did your wife take off when she had those babies? 
And he immediately smiles, and I can tell that he already knows the story that I'm going to tell him. And I and he just kind of starts nodding his head, and he says, well, I think I know what you're talking about. And he said, I made a call to the district this morning to ask them if we provide home and hospital. And I said, thank you, first of all, for caring. He's a young, white man, young right. family, who has shown more compassion at this moment in time than anyone else I've talked to. Including women, who should be standing with women. And I said to him, I said, well, well, what did you say? And he said, I called him to ask him if we offer home and hospital. Ding, that ding, we ding. do not offer services, home and hospital, to pregnant mothers. And he asked why. And we used to offer a daycare at an alternative school, which that program has been dissolved. So that's not there. Yeah. So we offer nothing at this point to teenage mothers. Nothing at all. No, Such no help. No, crap. nothing. Good luck. Gee, I wish you hadn't got pregnant, but it kind of is your own fault. That's what I was just going to say. Well, they shouldn't have thought of that before they got pregnant. Which is, you know, exactly. every. That's when I was sitting in that room and looking at the people in there. I know that that's what they were all thinking. Like, yeah. well, she shouldn't have had sex. This is her own fault. This is what happens. It's so irritating. And so that's my answer. That's, that's my so end answer. That's unforgiving because... Our demographic is a Christian, Christian demographic. How many of those people in that office would you say are churchgoers, Dekuma? Oh, at least 80%. Hmm, that's Regular weird. church attenders. Okay, carry on. <laughs> well, and since when is it anybody else's business when you have sex or a baby? Well, and what about everyone else who has is having sex but didn't get pregnant, or the ones that had abortions? Yeah, that's the thing that we're. I was waiting for that that time. Like, well, if she had an abortion, we'd probably oh. put a star on her forehead, and you know, like, oh, oh no, all those people would be against abortion. Oh, you're they're absolutely right. Oh, that's right. They're against abortion. Hypocrites. And they're against having sex. They're just for you know not making any mistakes. Yeah. Would they You're be the right. Pharisees or way. the Sadducees? <laughs> Which ones would they be? I, you know what? I like that you just say they're against making mistakes. The mistake has been has well, was it? Yeah, it was a mistake for this well, time because for she her. Was un- she had said it was, but her baby was unplanned, not unwanted. Right, and she wasn't asking for their opinion or no. their permission. She's just asking for services that lawfully she's entitled to receive legally, lawfully. Which at yeah. this point in time, when I've been told no from every avenue that is the right avenue, I have not gone outside, nor have I gone back to Maddie to tell her that this is what's going on. I then sit down with Morta and Nona. Would that be the sister squad? <laughs> the sister, the sister squad. squad. Gone rogue. Uh, gone rogue. <laughs> and tell them the situation. With our crochet hooks. A flying. <laughs> and we start... Pointing. Pointing and talking and... Immediately, I go to FMLA, right? The Family Medical Leave Act. Because, and that's what I said in the counselor's office. I said, has anyone in in here heard of FMLA? Raise your hand. I have. (laughs) Raise your hand if you've used FMLA. everyone in here has access to it. Right. Oh, but then I was told she doesn't. She's a student. She's not working. So that's for employers, yeah. I'm like, okay, that's great. Um, Actually, 
um, when my daughter was being persecuted by the teachers at the high school because of she was sick all the time and she was in the same situation where she was going to school you know 75% of the time well 74 she didn't they failed her because she didn't go she missed 25% of the school year and but she made up her work to 105% but they wanted they failed her because she didn't get participation points. They set that to be 40% of your grade so that if you missed like more than five days, which were doctor excused, by the way, um, that That's you such failed. Crap. That you failed. Well, I ding, ended up ding, taking ding. her. That's my bell. I ended up taking her to um, getting her diagnosed to an immunologist, getting her diagnosed. And the immunologist sent a letter to the principal of the school and said, You are. Um, Non-compliant. You, you are not compliant with the Americans with Disabilities, disabilities Act. Act. Um, this kid, you have to, it has a disability, and you have to treat her, you know, with the disability, and you have to accommodate her. And what was the accommodation she was asking for? Just to give her the points that she earned. Right. Such So, crap. as we sit down and talk about this, um, I immediately go to researching, and so do does all of the sister squad and find out that the school is in non-compliance with the American Disabilities Act with Title IX, which has a specific section in there for pregnant, pregnant mothers, mothers, teenage mothers, students with babies. And actually it ends up covering also like the fathers too. One of these cover- covers which the fathers. Which it should, thank heavens. And so Title IX, American Disabilities Act, and FMLA also kind of overrides in that it's kind of an overshadowing that you would have to i mean you might have to get into it to see if it covers it but it doesn't matter the american disabilities act covers it fmla is to protect your employment like Mm -hmm. you if you have worked a thousand hours in the last calendar year or not even the last calendar year in the last 12 rolling months you know from where you are then and you have a doctor's no you have they have to excuse you and that's a place where you're not required to be by law Students are required to be in school by law. Right. But the American with Disabilities Act and Title IX say, listen. And and again, biatches. All she's asking asking is to have four weeks. I I think at the time she was only asking for two weeks. But look, I might be gone two to four weeks. I just want to make sure that I'm not going to get shafted here, that I'm going to graduate, that people are going to give me my work. So I can do it. So I can graduate from yeah. high school. And this I'm is not, January. I'm just asking for my work. I don't want you to excuse it. Right. Just give it to me so I can do it. And she is months ahead when she is due. Okay, so this carries on. And I feel really helpless. I have promised to help this girl. I have gone through every avenue I'm supposed to go through. I've sent her through every avenue she's supposed to go through. And no one wants to pick up this problem and address it. And she's not the first. Over the year, I have had two other girls that I know were pregnant. One has no one has a baby, six month old, and no daycare. And there's no help from the school district. There's no help from the school. If the one day that her baby was sick, she came in to get her work, came in, went to the class, 
talked to her teacher, picked up all of her work, and before she could leave, the baby needed to eat. And so as she, before she leaves, we all have traveled with a sick baby or a hungry baby or a crying baby. Right. You're not putting a baby in a car seat that is hungry. No, no you're going to listen to them scream at the top of their lungs anywhere that you go. So she sits down in the main area, in a common area at the school, and starts to feed the baby. It's the end of passing period so you're going to classes not that this matters but bottle or breastfeed it does matter right so it's bottle just because you're in a high school situation and that would be like more it doesn't matter by law well yeah but you're talking about being offensive which is kind of the whole point of this thing but it does matter by law because you know you by law you can breastfeed wherever the heck you want so she's sitting there pulls a bottle out and starts feeding her little girl and is immediately addressed by people in the office and is asked to leave, that we don't do this here. We don't eat? <laughs> Stop! And these are good people. I mean, I, I want you to know, these are people that I look up to, but... What is I, wrong with the system? Are they system? afraid that everybody's going to want to have a baby that they have to feed in school? I mean, isn't that the biggest deterrent? They found out that that is so not true. I watched this young lady, my student, come into my class. She is pregnant. She is gaining weight. Number one, what high school girl wants to get fat? It, name me one. Tell me who there it is. There isn't one. Okay. And it doesn't exist. In, curl in the garbage can in front of everyone and be sick at school. And be sick. And I mean, it. The whole watching the whole pregnancy itself is a deterrent. And then the baby crying. A, a screaming baby. We send them around with them. They're carrying them around the school today, like the pretend the babies that cry all night long. They're much better than a bag of flour that's taped with duct tape. With a sharpie the egg. face. The egg. The egg. You Don't know? crack your egg. Uh, okay. <laughs> crack, crack. So, uh, needless to say, these these girls are falling through the cracks, and they're doing everything in their power but it's so hard. Anyone who's had a little baby knows how hard it is to be a mom right. and they're no support system and they're just doing everything they can. So the sister squad gets together and I tell you guys, and we are just upset. I don't tell you who the girl is, but I'm like, she, you know, this is what's happened to her. This is what's oh. going on. Well, I already knew who she was because... I have a daughter who attends school with her cousin who also attends that school. So it's easy to um, social media stock, which I'm quite adept at. And we found her on Twitter. We found her on Twitter, essentially. And I don't follow my students on Twitter. I don't have social media contacts with them. I tell them I'll follow them after high school. And when you found her on Twitter, she had a post on there. And, and she, what was the post? Okay, so the post that we found from Maddie said, I've spent my entire senior year pregnant, and my school counselor has pushed me to go to an alternative school all year. That was in caps. I was one credit short of being on track to graduate, sitting next to two kids missing four times as many credits, but I'm the one who should go to an alternative school. So at that post, Nona and I picked up the wand. And started looking um, for uh, the legal requirements of... Since you work in the healthcare field, and I'm a government employee, who also uses FMLA. 
frequently. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and I was familiar with Title IX. So Title yes. IX is a huge women's rights <laughs> right. act that, that equalized everything, right, for women. So in this process... For, so pregnancy isn't a career ender. Right. So go on. So you so two then... we tweeted a few things to her, and she responded back to us, and she said... I was denied a homeschooling program that they do for students for their medical leaves for my maternity leave, which is which confused me, especially because it's not known if I would need a C-section, which is a major abdominal surgery. Um, I tweeted back, well, they're breaking the law. All you need is a note from your doctor and your copy of the Title IX law. And so that's kind of, um, that's kind of, as I'm scrolling through Twitter, that that's pretty much... Well, where we I, were. Do you know what the sad thing is? Is that you and I are looking and at stuff as we're enraged and tweeting to her that we have to be worried. Like, that we don't want anyone knowing who we are. That we're tweeting her what she's entitled to. Right, and How it's got to be a secret. That? that it's got to be a secret. A secret that we know of a young woman who needs help, and really this is the right thing to do. And you would think that everybody a would want female Hispanic um, high school student, that we would do everything to drag her over the, the finish, the finish line. line. Hold so on. That You're not going to have to drag her over. She'll run. She just <laughs> wants you to get out of her way. Absolutely. You know? Right. It's like she didn't need any dragon. So through all right. this... I have not oh, talked to her yet. So mad, it's and so I just have kind of given her a message through her other teacher. Hey, I'm working on some things. Don't get discouraged. Just, just keep trying. And so I talked to her finally the next week and find out that she has been tweeting with Morta and Nona, <laughs> and she has a lot of information at her disposal. And I told her. You just need to go get a doctor's note from your doctor. This is the right. law. Go get a doctor's note. Get the application for home and hospital and just take it in and give it to them. And I'm sure that at this point with that information that you should be fine. So she proceeds to do that. Her mom is very grateful for the help that they've been given because her mom was a teenage mother also and did not graduate from high school. And so was her older sister. And so, oh, so we are seeing all like ready a cycle, to... and she's going to break that cycle. She said, "I am. I that's not going to be me." Go and so, in the process, she gets all that done, and then finds out that they're going to deny it, even at this. And so she sets up a meeting with the district office and goes up there and states her case. Now, and for she... a moment, now there's someone at the district that's supposed to be the student advocate, right? Right. Okay, carry on. That's over the Title IX? That's over Title IX. And so that's who she needs to meet with. So the administrator that she meets with over student services meets with her and lets her know the policy for pregnant moms that they um, do not offer them home and health services or home hospital. Let me think what the name is correctly. I think it's home hospital. Is home and hospital. You had called it before. And that is Weber School District's policy, but she... Did not have a copy of it at the time. And because Maddie asked for a copy of the policy. She says, fine, let me, I would like a copy of it. And she said, 
I can't find it, but I will email it to you by tomorrow. I, I will get it to you so it will be in your hands. And so I'm really proud of this girl for being her own advocate and going. And again, mind you, she is at this point now eight months pregnant. And still, this is dragged on for at least a month, right? Yeah. Um, really two months because it started in, in January. And so she comes back and we talk about it. And she has all of her information and she's waiting to get that. So she's waiting to get the information from the school district. And then she just kind of compiles everything. Title IX, the American Disabilities Act. She has talked to her doctor. Her doctor has given her a note for at least four weeks off, four to six, depending on if there's any complications that she will need to be off, which our policy was two weeks. Just well, two if weeks. you have a baby in April, any time, seniors are done by like... At my kids' school, they were done like by May 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and they're somewhere. So essentially... If you have a baby any time in April, you're going to have the rest of the school year off. And that was her concern, was that she was not going to be there to finish up any of that work. She was going to miss all that work, right. and she knew that it was crucial to her graduation. And so, home and hospital would require that they bring it to her. Yes. On time, so she could do it on time and have it done. And there's so no... graduate with her class. And she doesn't have to work with eight teachers who may or may not accept her work or may or may not take it late or may or, or may not... punish her for getting pregnant. Or punish her for, be, for being pregnant. Absolutely. And so... Infuriating. She gets the information and I'm really not privy to what she did at this point in time. But I am, I am talking to her. She's telling me what's going on. And I'm just telling her how proud I am of her for this. And she has set up another meeting with the, the school district and with her counselors. And her mom is coming in with this one. And so she meets in the counselor's office and they're going to do a, a conference call. And by the way, her counselor, her personal counselor, was an advocate for her. But it was a brand new counselor who had no idea how any of this worked. Just trying to figure it out. And really can only go on the word of what everyone else tells him. And so he's swimming uphill or swimming upstream, right? Yeah. He's swimming upstream, <laughs> you know. Both ways. <laughs> in the, in the snow. <laughs> yes. Up to his waist. Whatever. It's hard. That's what we're saying. Yes. It's hard. He's doing everything he can that he knows because he doesn't know. And so they get on a conference call with the district. And she proceeds to tell the district that... You know, this is what she has. She has now in her hands, which she didn't before in the first meeting. She has now in her hands the American Disabilities Act and Title IX. And she, but first she proceeds to tell them, I have my application. My doctor has signed it. I have it all sitting here. I am applying for home hospital. And she was denied. The district office said, no, that's not going to work. And so then she really just went to where she didn't want to go the whole time. She said, that's fine. We, the school district is non-compliant with the American Disabilities Act and with Title IX, which protects women specifically and teenage girls specifically, pregnant girls specifically. And she said, that's fine. I will be filing a lawsuit and a discrimination suit against the school district for your non-compliance. Mic drop. Boom. <laughs> 
Oh, where's the cowbell? I don't know. Good job, good job, I mean, that is gutty. That took so much guts from this girl. I know, she's Do my hero. Not? And immediately, at the her. other end she's of the line, hero. I'm sure that the district office After was immediately... After shorts. ...was immediately concerned. <laughs> Because yeah. well, not only shit and rocks, <laughs> not only because you know they got to clean out their shorts, but they're also on a conference call and they are going to be facing a lawsuit. And they are going to be facing a lawsuit. That she has not. That was not her intention. She the just whole wanted time. to graduate. She just wanted her homework. <laughs> <laughs> she just wanted her homework. That's it. Can you give me my effing homework? <laughs> And so, she oh was put on a brief gosh. hold, and uh, well, did magically. Technical difficulties? <laughs> Please hold. Please hold. <laughs> oh, I think that we've, we found it. You're right. And so, they come back on and tell her immediately, you are right. You're absolutely right. Weird. We are non-compliant. We will be offering your home and hospital. We will be, um, what's the word? Approving it. It is now approved. (laughs) Go ahead and hand that to your counselor. And carry on. That's so odd how that happened. Wouldn't it just been nice if they could have done that instead of making a pregnant teenager jump through hoops? I mean, you know, because, like, she's really pregnant. For three months. Those hoops are high. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Pregnant people don't jump well. She might have peed a little when she jumped (laughs) It just, I do the, I, the hypocrisy of adults using their position of power. I've said this for a hundred years after working with children in the medical field. Children do not have paid lobbyists. No. And if they did, if children had paid lobbyists, there are so many things. Child predators would go to jail for the rest of their lives or be, you know, put to death. Um, child abuse, um, the abusers would be would have much longer sentences. There's so much injustice that is directed toward children. And so that's why, like, educators, generally speaking, are wonderful people. But, like, what in the world are these people thinking? Like, I don't know, because we go out of our way for every group. We go out of our way for the LGBTQ group. We go out of our way for minorities. We have a huge Hispanic population, African-American population. We bend over backwards. And pregnant girls are just not like one of those classes we want to protect, you know? I guess no. not. It's just not popular. Like, that's, yeah. not the, that's not the popular disenfranchised group to, to be, you know, waving a flag for. It just is so irritating. Because you want to save the life of your child, because again, if she would have had an abortion, I'm sure that everybody would have thought that she had, you know, won a gold medal or something. And, but because she wants to have her child, she wants to get married, and she wants to graduate, now we are going to put up every single barrier in front of her. And then not only are we going to put up these barriers, but then when she asks, hey, could I get my homework? (sighs) Well, I just don't know what I'm going to be doing in April. Exactly. I don't care. Not my problem, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) But, yes, that, that, touche. Which? Which. 
but it's be. so I told her how proud mm. I was of her because of everything that she had done and gone through the fight that she fought really protected yeah. and affected every pregnant girl that will follow her now through this whole school system, not just my school, not just her school, but, but every in school district. in that school district will now have a policy for pregnant moms, pregnant that teenage It should moms. have in 1980, which... And they also realized that by closing down the teenage mother program at the alternative school that they didn't offer them anything. And we have to mention, too, by law, that you can't force a girl to go to the alternative school. You have to provide services at your regular school. Right. That you can't make them go there for services. You have to provide something at to, your school for them. Do they have to them. provide a daycare at They don't have school? to provide daycare, but access to services. Like, okay, right. you can access the daycare at the alternative school, right. but you can still come to this school. You can still mm-hmm. come to your home right. school. We don't right. send kids to the school. We don't send them away to have children anymore. I think that was right up until the 1950s, 1960s. Um, yeah, well, they don't send the guys away. You oh, know, they never did. It's such a yeah. The guys play on the football standard. team, play all the sports, and the girl is asked politely to please go to an alternative school because you look pregnant now, and that really doesn't fit. It with just our... makes us uncomfortable. <laughs> and you know, and now here we are in 2019. And it still makes us uncomfortable because, you know, we see you and then we think about teenagers having sex like that we didn't know that was happening, <laughs> you know? I think a lot of them are conceived at the school. <laughs> there, there are some corners up there that I wonder what's going on. Um, yeah. Like, well, you know, now, I mean, really, in the bathroom, I, you know, there's all stalls in the girl's bathroom <laughs> and a guy just has to identify as a girl. And he can just go right in. So, With his know, girlfriend. Then, yes. I'm a girl. She's a girl. We're good. Yeah. We're not going to be making a baby in that stall over there. So, you know. We'll be making cookies or something. And so in in the final of this, like the results, the I don't know. I guess what came out of it was is that the longstanding change for teenage moms, right? The other thing is, is that there is now a support group at our school that I am in charge of. It's called Prepared Parents. Nice. And I'm a liaison between these girls and the community and resources to help them. And, I mean, I can't believe how many girls have been referred to me already. Well, and, you know, really, if if you want, because we live in a conservative state, we live in a conservative community, pretty conservative, I think. And, And, you know, part of conservative values are to avoid um, or avoid or minimize the use of welfare like that you know welfare is not a plan for uh, prosperity it's just not a plan it's it's a fail safe and i think that it needs to be there obviously or whatnot but, but nobody gets rich on welfare right it's not really a career choice <laughs> correct that is correct <laughs> so i think that I mean, if you really want to espouse those conservative values, the very, very, very first thing that we need to do is, is ensure that everyone graduates high school, that everyone, pregnant girls, non-pregnant girls, boys who have maybe the father of these um, children for these pregnant girls, it's, it's mind-blowing that, that that isn't 
priority number one? Well, they've shown, studies have shown, if you graduate from high school, get married before you have children, and get a job, that you will not live in poverty. Any job. Yeah. So. Well, and 80% of those in, in jail are high school dropouts. That's sad. 80% of jail, prison, right. or high school doesn't dropouts. doesn't matter what color you are. It's, it is a formula for failure. And she's trying to break the cycle. And, and why are we being obstacles to that? Why, why are we trying to stop that? What, what are you fulfilling inside to stop this girl I just and don't get, get in it. her path? I really don't understand it. Like, I don't... Well, I think people... Like, you're big on your kids. If you want successful kids, to a certain extent, they need to suffer the consequences of their actions. But when we're talking about having sex and getting pregnant as a teenager, that's not a crime. And as a parent, you know, and as a religious parent, you think, oh, it's a sin. But it's not a crime. Why? You're not in a job... As a teacher, you're not in, it's not your job to be the morality police or to you're, punish them. Your job is to teach them, help them, advocate for them. And so making a judgment, there was no room for a judgment to be made there. Well, and the consequence of your actions is a baby. Well, you know, and, like that. And like that's you, a- you go to school for nine months because she was pretty much pregnant her, and in school the whole nine months. Right. Go to school pregnant and deal with morning sickness, gaining weight, everything that comes with it, swollen ankles. Yeah. I mean, all oh, those desks. Go, yeah, <laughs> desks that she doesn't fit in, that she has to turn sideways to sit in. Uh, tell me that those aren't the consequences. Well, my nobody daughter, was dying to go out and get pregnant. My daughter that works in the jail, um, one thing that they talk about all the time and that my daughter repeats is. Their punishment is being in jail. It's not my job to punish them. It's my job to guard them and make sure that I provide the things that they need. Right. The punishment has been set by the court. Well, and I just feel like when a student comes to me, the choice, the whatever, whatever has happened is already done. She's already pregnant. What, what can I provide at this point from here forward? How can I help you? achieve your goal. That's my job. How can I help you achieve your goal? What can I do? Not, how can I make you feel terrible? Well, I was going to say, I find that a really good tool is, I told you so. (laughs) It it really endears you to people, you know, (laughs) you know, just in every, and it gives you the moral high ground too. (laughs) Like in in every conversation, you know, I told you so. You shouldn't have done that, you know? Now look where you are. I would love to follow up with her in about (coughs) five years and see where she's at. She's planning on getting married this summer. and She'll probably be ruling the world. You won't have to find look too far for her. Well, that's kind of how I feel. Yeah. I feel like she's going to be very successful. Not going to be taking any crap from anybody. No, she's not. Once again, we want to thank you for being part of our podcast. And if you enjoyed listening to us, go ahead and follow us on iTunes or on Podbean. And then stay tuned. We'll have new episodes out next week. Ding, dong, ding. <laughs> Would you like me to tell about my open marriage? 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So this is our Freddie Mercury moment because Nona is seriously in love with him since we introduced her to Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> so go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Oh, Nona. Well, all I'm just saying is that I love Freddie Mercury. I think I made that perfectly clean. <laughs> plain. And um, my husband does not like Queen and he's... Freddie Mercury's growing on him. But we have... Finally come to where we have an open marriage now. You know, we're very conservative, religious, and monogamous, but we have an open marriage now. I am in love with a gay dead man, and he is in love with Flash on Netflix. This season ended in 2015. So he has a fictional character, and every night we have a Flash moment, and then he tries to sleep while I play Bohemian Rhapsody. Does he know that Flash ends in 2015? Has he got to the end of the season? I think he started to get worried. <laughs> it's, it's coming to the end, you know? He's seen. He's because seen. there's nothing worse than starting an episode, a, a new series. And then they just like, they and, cancel it and you're just left hanging. And I'm so dumb that I watched, like I would watch the first season before I looked at it, that it was from 2008 <laughs> and there was one season. Oh. Yeah. Well, there were, there were four, I think there are four seasons and there's like 95 episodes in each season. It feels like. Um, that it goes on in perpetuity. Yes. It goes on and on and on. Yet, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody has a movie and then a few featurettes. But there are lots of... There's a documentary on BBC. <laughs> um, there's just lots of things, you know. So. And did you get your Freddie Mercury tattoo? <laughs> oh, I don't believe in tattoos. I have an open marriage, but no tattoo. <laughs> I wouldn't do something as terrible as that. <laughs> you, you do have boundaries. <clears throat> oh, my gosh. Goodness gracious. Oh. Okay, thank you for the Freddie Mercury moment. Oh, Freddie rules. 